So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Anguilano, and joining me for the first time in the new year are both of my co-hosts, Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, it feels great to be back. Is this really the first time all three of us have been here in 2023 into February? That's crazy. Well, hey, it's a good time for everyone to be together. It's our last podcast before the NBA trade deadline. The Pistons, one of the most talked about teams at the deadline. What will they do with Boyan Bogdanovich, Sadiq Bey, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel? They've been one of those teams that's been brought up a lot. And I think something's got to happen at the deadline for Detroit. So this is going to be our final show to talk about all that stuff. We'll have a podcast recording right after the deadline next Thursday. So super stoked to have both of you here today and stoked to get into the discussion ahead. Yeah, I'm hoping the the Pistons aren't going to give us like trade deadline blue ball. So that would be that'd be rough basketballs. Uh, it, just to clarify for all our beautiful <laughs> sponsors out there, um, I am hoping we're going to get something. I, I can't imagine that we will get nothing from the Pistons at the deadline. I mean, you literally are, as of right now, mathematically speaking, the worst in the NBA. Uh, I'm pretty sure, non mathematically speaking, you're still the worst team in the NBA, regardless. But you have to do something at this deadline. How big of a move is going to be made, that remains less clear. Although, <laughs> to be honest, most of the things that we're, we're hearing as of right now, uh, unless they are really good posturing, seems pretty certain that the big pieces are not going to be moving right now. So we'll see if that, that happens, but we got plenty to talk about this week. We do. We have plenty to talk about. But before we get into all of that, do you want to... Give a shout out to this week's sponsor, and that is Bet Online. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs, there's only one game left, to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite leagues. 
and events. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, a 50% welcome bonus. Just make sure that you use the promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit with Bet Online. Again, that promo code is BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hey, can I can I say something real quick? I I, I want to do this for for the people that are getting in on this podcast early on Friday. I've got a bet for you, a Pistons bet for you. The line at Bet Online for Friday night's game between the Pistons and the Hornets, the over under set at two forty one. Give me the over in that game. If you're listening, Pistons Charlotte, the line is two forty one for the total. I'll be playing the over. Play along with me. Yeah, I like that. That's hard not to like. Two teams that play absolutely no defense and can both go off at any minute. I, I like that, Aaron. Okay. Aaron's lock of the week. I, I, I'm a fan. I'm smelling a new segment. Don't don't tempt me. I could talk gambling for too long. So don't oh, tempt me. That's my you know what? Bet online. Gotta gotta give them a look at this line. I think think that you know. Uh, the Pistons and, and Hornets over those two teams. This could be 130 to 140. It, it would not shock me whatsoever. Yeah, that's two bad teams that, uh, like Jasper said, could just go off for points with zero defense play. That would make for an entertaining game to be at, actually, just to just to see a slug fest of two of the bottom dwellers. I I I think I would be cool. So the only that. reason this could maybe go under. It's because the Hornets are on a back-to-back, de- back back. but I don't even care about that. These two teams, they don't play a lick of <laughs> defense. Their bottom defense is in the NBA. They both play at a higher pace. Give me the over 241. And Mike, that's very generous of you to call a, um, a Hornets-Pistons game a slugfest. Unless, of course, you're John Beeline on the call. I was going to say, calling him slugs. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, no, I said slugfest. Slugfest. Slug you, I you gotta be honest. That, that that feels so long ago. It that feels like ten years ago when that happened. Yeah, it's almost as long as Michigan's been good at basketball. It's, it feels it feels like forever. Brutal, brutal. Shout out, yeah. Hey, uh, but... let's let's get back to another team that isn't playing that great of basketball, but we have to talk about them, and that's the Pistons. And our first topic for today is kind of a little, you know, it's a little surprising because we were talking about Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver on last week's podcast, but then all of a sudden out of freaking nowhere on Zach Lowe's, the low post podcast, he believes that the Pistons front office is going to be under pressure to win games and compete for a playoff spot next season. I, he probably means play in spot, just kind of playoffs and play in together, but kind of striking out of, almost nowhere that we have a major NBA name, NBA NBA reporting name, I should say, indicating on a, one of the most well-known basketball podcasts that the Pistons are going to be under pressure to win games and compete for a playoff spot next season. And that's partially why the team is reluctant or hesitant or just flat out won't move on from Boyan Bogdanovich. We talked a lot about Dwayne Casey last week. Aaron and I are both on the same page that he should probably be let go after the season. It's 
this whole thing's kind of run its course. Um, but Troy Weaver is also under pressure. And I said that he's pro- he's not under the same pressure that Dwayne Casey is. But do you guys think he should be under pressure to win next season or else he's going to be ousted? Look, I yeah. have – go ahead, Jess. No, no, Aaron. No, you go first. You okay. go. I, I have two opinions on this because I have what my opinion is and I think I have what the organization's opinion is. And in my mind, there's no reason that Troy Weaver shouldn't be under pressure to put together a winning team next season. He'll have – it'll be, have been his fourth season in charge of this team a team that he has torn down and built the way that he has wanted to build it. Nobody has gotten in his way and said in regards to any player, you have to do this, you have to keep him. No one that we've heard of has gotten in his way regarding any sort of draft pick and said, you have to take this player, you cannot take this player. He has had cap space to work with now for multiple off seasons. And the Pistons for all three of the years he's been the general manager have been bottom of the league. There has to be some pressure. There just has to be a little bit of a sense of urgency from the organization, from the top guy, from the owner, Tom Gores. There has to be a sense of urgency of, if this is going to work with this guy at the helm, he has to start putting guys on this team that are going to lead to more wins. And to be honest with you, I don't feel that that's the case from within the organization. I think Troy Weaver already getting extended. They already are committing that money to him. You know, if they maybe felt there was some urgency for him in that regard, I'm not sure they would have extended him this soon with another year left on his deal. So I don't think the organization is truly of the mindset uh, that maybe Zach Lowe is indicating. He might be under pressure, but maybe not enough pressure to where if they don't, something is going to happen to his position. I think he's in a safe position after getting that extension. I don't necessarily think that should be the case. I think there should be some pressure that if, hey, you go four years without being able to get us, at least in the play-in, then you might not be the guy. But on the flip side, you do also have to understand that lack of desire to essentially tear it all down again in terms of bringing in another general manager who potentially may not want to build with Jaden Ivey or or doesn't believe in any of Troy Weaver's initial first-round draft picks, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart. I, I don't know. I, I feel like there should certainly be pressure. I think the, the lack of winning, the lack of on-court development, it's it's disturbing and it's unacceptable. I, I'm not saying the Pistons needed to be a playoff team this year. I'm not saying they had to win 45 games this year. But for them to look as bad as they have, not just in terms of their record, but in their on-the-court performance, the bad ways that they're playing the game, uh, it's incredibly disappointing. And for as much flack as we have given Dwayne Casey, you have to look at the hand that he's been dealt and admit that Troy Weaver has not done a good job giving him enough pieces, enough depth, enough top-end talent to win. So it's on both of them. 
And so if I'm going to say last week on the show that Dwayne Casey has to go, I can't omit Troy Weaver and say he's been fine. He has no pressure on him. He certainly does. He certainly should. I don't think the Pistons organization, though, is in a in a mindset of if we don't win next year, we may have to go a different direction with our front office structure. Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. And I think when you say it starts with ownership, you're on the right track 100%. Because since Tom Gorris has come into this organization, he has said, it's been an edict, I'm trying to win games. I'm not really interested in the long-term rebuild. And obviously he was talked into it by Troy Weaver, but look, when the fact of the matter is you mostly forced Stan Van Gundy's hand and trading for Blake Griffin and because you had that win now edict, you didn't tear down that team because you had that win now edict. And that's what cost ultimately Stan Van Gundy his job, even more so than the blown, you know, draft picks and the free agent decisions. It was the Blake Griffin trade that ultimately cost him. And since you have given Troy Weaver this ability to tear down the the, the roster and rebuild from the, the start, that doesn't mean that you can't <laughs> that that you can just continue to lose for half a decade and have no consequences from it. Let's be real. While I and you and and Mike would be completely fine and i think most of the fan base would too with moving on from Dwayne casey after this season the Cade cunningham injury probably bought him and troy weaver an extra year and i would be very surprised if Dwayne casey's not back next season that being said if they don't make the playoffs next year i think he's gone and if they don't make the playoffs the year after that or they're underwhelming the year after that you know they sneak in as the seven seed eight seed something like that I think Troy Weaver's probably gone too because you're going to have had three top five picks on this roster. It's inevitable. They're getting another top five pick this year, plus Jalen Duran. And while he's done a good job at rebuilding the roster to a certain extent, you're 100% right, Aaron. There's not enough top end talent on this team in order for Dwayne Casey to really compete and really show what he can do as a head coach for a team that's trying to win, period. And, and he's done a decent job in the draft, yes, but it's not like he's nailed it. I mean, really, like, he took Killian Hayes over Tyrese Halliburton. He took Sadiq Bey over Desmond Bain. Those are, while they're not full-on busts, comparatively, they're misses. And so I think this is a big reason why the organization is saying, hey, we're probably not going to move on from Boyan Bogdanovich and why Zach Lowe is saying as such is because there is absolutely pressure on them to win next year. And there should be. You can't just lose for half a decade and have nothing change organizationally. Um, and yeah, I, I think Troy Weaver is smart to keep going on if that's his intention of winning playoff games next year. Because look, this team needs talent, needs to hold on to its talent. They're going to get somebody that is really, really good in the draft next year, and they have to put something together. You can't just skate off the Cade Cunningham injury. Like, you need to win games next season. Year two of Jaden Ivey, year two of Jalen Duran, year three of Cade Cunningham, you got to put something together, period. See, and while we are in lockstep with this, we are in complete agreement 
I'm not necessarily confident in Detroit's ability to make the playoffs next year. It's going to be very hard for them to win, you know, call it 20 to to 25 more games than they are going to win this year. I mean, they're going to be a 20-win team this year if they're lucky. At the rate that they're playing, it's going to be very hard to go from 20 to 22 wins maybe to like 40 to 45 wins to get into the play-in. It's going to be very difficult to do that. That's not something that most teams are able to do. And it's not like this is a rock star free agency class. And again, this roster doesn't have enough talent or depth to where you can feel confident that there's going to be enough internal growth to even with a mediocre level free agency that there's going to be enough internal growth to put together a good enough team to win. I mean, maybe they can be a play-in team, maybe. But again, who are they spending on in free agency? Who are they bringing in this year outside of that top draft pick that's going to really swing the tide for this team? Because it's not a good free agency class. And I just don't think it's 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 all that reasonable to believe that this team's going to go from the 30th team in the league to a top 16 team. I, I, I'll say this though, Aaron, like, yes, you're hundred percent right with the free agency thing. And that's why earlier when they extended Boyan Bogdanovich, we were in favor of it, regardless of whether they decided to trade him or not, because this isn't a great, super deep free agent class coming up next year. Um, and it's why I think, you know, I think we're probably in agreement. This is why you hold on to Boyan. I will say though, like year three of Cade, year two of Duran and Ivy. If you're bringing in, knock on every piece of wood in your house right now, Victor Wabanyama or even Scoot Henderson, I I do think that you know ten to fifteen games. It's it's realistic because if you can just take that defense from the worst in the league to seventeenth in the league, you're talking about just an absolutely huge swing in your ability to win games like if you can just have an average defense next year and keep some semblance of the offense you have I definitely think you can win 10 to 15 more games I don't even necessarily disagree with you I'm just concerned about with the idea that like I mean the 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 top target Detroit's probably going to be linked to in free agency is someone like Grant Williams who's going to be a restricted free agent. And it's like, are is that going to be enough getting someone like Grant Williams and, you know, filling out the roster with a, a replacement for Corey Joseph? Well, I mean, I mean, what you, Aaron, they have just no wing defense at all. Yeah. Like, so I, I, Levert, I, I get, no, not Levert, but I genuinely think somebody like Grant Williams would help. Yeah. Would help a ton. He would help. For sure. I just, I'm again, I'm just skeptical that, you know, how they could get both Levert and Grant Williams. And I just, I don't know. I mean, there would have to be so much internal development for them to go, you know, take a a twenty-one jump. But but again, but again, I think this just backs up what we're saying. There needs to be pressure on the the team to improve. Like that's why there needs to be pressure to improve. Because if you're looking at this team, going into year four, year five and saying like, oh, 
we probably ha- aren't like good enough to win 35 to 40 games in a league where things change so so quickly i mean <laughs> look at look at the pelicans and the lakers from when they made that anthony davis trade to where they are now like how fast things change in such a short amount of time um so yeah i i think if you're looking at something like that and you're saying you're for year five we're still not good enough to to solidly make the playoffs well who does that fall on it, it falls on the gm it falls on the head coach and it falls on the people that put the roster together. So I am a hundred percent. I truly believe that like, no, there are no free lunches. There's no free passes. Troy Weaver needs to show that he's capable of building a winner and not just making moves that, you know, titillate Twitter fans. If we're being honest, like, Ooh, what a smart little trade. Like, yeah, that's cute. But (laughs) at a certain point you need to win games. And if you're not doing that, then you failed in your job. I know that we're not giving Mike a lot of time to talk here. And I, I want to let him talk here. And I actually want him to answer this because I think his perspective as someone who's not necessarily as ingrained with the Pistons as we are is like, let's say someone like Chicago, for example, decides, okay, we've got to, we've got to blow it up. We've got to move DeMar Rosen. We're going to look at moving Zach Levine. Like, is there pressure? Because again, this is where it would get easier for Detroit to make that jump is if they can acquire a true all-star star level player uh, through the trade market. Let's say guys like DeRozan, Levine become available. Some of the other names, I don't necessarily know who they are. I don't know how many teams are going to look to blow it up this summer, this upcoming off season, but sh- should there be enough pressure to where Troy Weaver maybe has to look at the assets the 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 current guys on the roster, maybe someone like a Jaden Ivey, maybe this the, the first round pick. I, I don't know. Is there pressure for him to look down the line and say, okay, maybe I have to put together some of my young assets, some of my draft capital, and go get a guy like Zach Levine? So before I answer that question, let me just go like two or three steps back. So the quote from Zach Lowe was pressure to win games and compete for a playoff spot. Let's say the Pistons are a 20, a 20 win team this year, just to make the math easy. A 15 win improvement would have been last year in the Eastern conference would have been the 11 seed last year. The Knicks were 37 and 45. So even with huge, massive growth and the number of things that have to go right to even get even getting close to doubling your win total, yeah, you know, you, you'll get Cade and you you might get Scoot Henderson, you might get Victor Wembanyama, a Thompson twin, what whatever the case is. I mean, that's huge, though. <laughs> that's massive, but that's huge. So many things have to go right for for that to even be a remote possibility. That's counting on growth. That's counting on, you know, injuries not happening. That's counting on Wemby coming in into the league and being a stud immediately. I mean, the Cavs were horrible and they drafted LeBron James and they didn't make the playoffs immediately. It's a different roster and it was a different era, but I mean, you know, Wemby's not just going to come in here and, you know, wreck shop. I don't think Um, he is an alien, but so having like a double win total year over year is super high bar to hit. That being said, there should be pressure on 
Troy Weaver. And I think that pressure starts now. I think trading Boyan Bogdanovich is a, is not a win now move. Um, it's kind of caving to, okay, let's keep collecting ac- assets, keep collecting assets, keep collecting assets. And we've talked about this on a pod like a year ago. You know, there is a point where you're going to have to consolidate. You're going to have to consolidate the stuff that you have. Maybe the stuff that you have sucks and isn't that good. But there is a point where you have to consolidate your assets. The Cavs just did this with Donovan Mitchell. They acquired the first round picks. They acquired, you know, Colin Sexton through the draft. They made out with Lori Markkinen. They acquired the pieces to consolidate all of that into a big move. And the Pistons are getting very close to doing, you know, to having to have to do that as well. If if they're going to want to compete, that point of consolidation is coming sooner rather than later. And it's why it's interesting if they do move on from Sadiq Bey, um, this, you know, this trade deadline, which I don't think that they're going to do, but, you know, everybody has, has value within the league. And if, somebody's willing to meet that value the pistons could pull the trigger but there's there's a consolidation move that's going to happen it's going to have to happen soon it's going to have to you can't continuously be in the acquire assets um mode forever because you're just going to continuously be in that for a long time they have to consolidate that at some point and i don't necessarily think that's next season to answer your question i don't know if Zach Levine DeMar DeRozan's the guy that i'd be looking to consolidate assets for um, but it's certainly a conversation that I think this front office needs to be having sooner rather than later. I think we're, we're quickly approaching the point of, okay, we're, we have these top picks. There's a foundation there somewhere. What can we consolidate to get a big name, come in and sort of glue some of these young guys together? I think we're approaching that point. But I'll say this, if I'm Tom Corris, I'm looking at a team like the Cavs two years ago and saying, why can't we be that? Because that's the perfect example of a team that they didn't even make a trade for an all-star. They made a trade for Jarrett Allen. They brought in Evan Mobley. They got internal improvement from, you know, yes, from Colin Sexton, sort of. That's not really, though, what it was. It was really Darius Garland going from being, oh, this guy's good, to being, oh, this guy's an all-star. And if Cade makes that kind of jump, you bring in a guy like Victor Webanyama, who is, I mean, let's be real, like that's Evan Mobley on what 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 steroids make you skinny the, and tall? I don't know. It's <laughs> Evan Mobley to the nth power, which is insane. Yes, exactly. And like, if you could do that, well, okay, you don't necessarily need to trade for like a Zach Levine. You need to trade for a guy that is maybe not yet an all-star, but is on his way to being there or is at least somebody that is going to come in and like fix your roster holes, which in this case is wing defense. So that's why when you say, you know, is Grant Williams going to make a huge difference? Yeah, I think I, I'm not saying that Grant Williams is a Jarrett Allen level player at all. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying if you can bring in somebody that fixes your wing defense, if you do get an all-star level lead from Kate Cunningham, if you do bring in a generational prospect, if I'm Tom Goris, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, why can't we be what the Cavs were? There's no excuse. If I'm ownership, at least, if I've given you four years, you need to make the improvement, period. And, and that's, that's I think, the, the, the bottom line. Yeah, and if someone becomes available this offseason, I mean, there's there's no shortage of drama in the NBA. We can count on that every single season. You know, there there could be that player that becomes available 
And it would be stupid for the Pistons to not consolidate their, you know, their, their picks. Let, let's, um, let's say the Lakers blow it up and Anthony Davis is on the move, not to the Pistons, but to another team. There's no reason Detroit can't get involved like Cleveland did in the Harden trade and profit off of that. Right? That's exactly right. And, and I think that that's probably best case scenario for this offseason is that somebody wants to, or this deadline is that somebody wants to make a big move like Toronto wants to wants to blow it up. They want to move Ananobi. They want to move Siakam and build around Scotty Barnes. That's that's the kind of avenue where the Pistons could be a third team that helps facilitate some money or players moving around and they could sneak in and, and grab something of value that they would not have had access to otherwise. So we're yeah. just moving right into trade talk, I think. Um, and it's a good segue for the, actually we took a break of it last week. We didn't talk about uh, Bogdanovich being traded, but we have to go back to it this week because the deadline is fast approaching and two pretty prominent NBA reporters have indicated that the Pistons are really not planning on moving on from Boyan Bogdanovich. Chris Haynes uh, has said that, that Detroit's posturing like they want to keep him, and Mark Stein has indicated that the Pistons have no intention of moving Boyan Bogdanovich. So let's let's start with Bogdanovich. And to be clear, this is all sort of coming on the heels of um, a report from Hoops Hype. I think that's Mike's, Mike uh, – who – who had that? Who had the sit down with Bogdanovich? Yeah, Mike Scotto of Hoops Hype. Mike Scotto did. Okay. Yeah. So Hoops Hype had a, a report uh, about a conversation with Bogdanovich and Troy Weaver about the role that he's going to have next year, uh, the excitement of having cap space to build the roster, having another high draft pick, getting Cade back, and how him getting injured really impacted things. Sort of a pep talk. I mean, it was it was a pep rally of sorts of, hey, this year sucks. We get it. But next year, next year's it, baby. That's it. Pistons make the play-in, maybe, hopefully. So these reports of him, you know, probably not being moved come as a result of some of those conversations. Let's start with Bogdanovich. Do we think that Boyan Bogdanovich is going to be moved? I don't know. I it seems like every report conflicts the most previous report to it. And I I don't know. I mean, it sounded like Bogdanovich was gonna end up staying. And that's then Chris Haynes came out and said Detroit posturing like they want to keep him. Meaning he really would still be available. But I don't know. If I had to put my money on it, I'm gonna flip again from what I said. Last week when I said, I think Bogdanovich is going to get moved. I'm going to flip, and I think Bogdanovich is going to stay. So when Bogdanovich gets traded on Thursday, everyone knows who they can yell at. It's going to be me. But I think he's going to stay. The recent reports, you know, these people are are, are obviously pretty well tied in. Mark Stein is uh, one of the most tied in reporters in the game. Chris Haynes is is, is tied in as well. It's not, uh, you know, any sort of not believing him or disrespecting his sources or anything like that. But Zach Lowe's sounded like the Pistons plan on keeping Bogdanovich. Stein saying it as well. And I think when you look at it, 
the Pistons need guys that are going to be contributors to them being more competitive in games. Bogdanovich has been the best healthy player on the roster this year. He's on a good contract. Said that so many times before. It's 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 going to be very good next Thursday to to not have to say it again one way or the other, no matter what happens. But it 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 just it would make sense to keep him. I'm going to go with logic and say that Boyan Bogdanovich does not get moved by next Thursday. Yeah, I, I am actually I think I've been consistent on this for most of the season. I think he's staying. I don't think they're moving him. Um, there's. For, for all the reasons that we've outlined and the reasons he outlined himself, they are at a point where they need to start winning games next year. And they're at a point where they don't have a ton of great options in the free agency market, although they definitely are going to have the cap space to go after the ones that they are interested in. And look, while I think you've been hearing a lot of NBA reporters saying, well, you know, we expect Boyan to be moved because the Pistons are bad. I think it really is that. It's NBA reporters saying, well, the Pistons are bad. Therefore, I think they're going to move him. And, and that's the same reason I believe Chris Haynes said Detroit is posturing like they want to keep him. I really think a lot of the trade market, a lot of the trade talk that's come out around Boyan Bogdanovich has been driven by analysts and reporters own personal opinions that bad teams should trade aging vets for picks because that's what you quote unquote should do. And, and for me, I look at it more from like a money ball perspective, which is what is the market inefficiency? And I think when you look at a player like Boyan Bogdanovich, look, if you're getting back a, you know, 20 something unprotected first round pick that is probably going to be a mid lot, you know, late lottery pick at best, I really think like the inefficiency there is the good player in this case. Like if you get two more years out of Boyan that are really high level where he's a really good scorer and a veteran presence and makes your locker room better. I think that that has a lot of value to your team more so than a late first round pick in a few years. Others might disagree, but I think that it's become kind of the, the, conventional wisdom around the NBA and I don't necessarily agree with it so no I think Boyan Bogdanovich is staying and not only that but to editorialize I think it's a smart decision and I support it you know I have flip-flopped on this as well based on all the reports but I'm firmly now in the camp of he's not going to be moved and you know if these win now reports are true and that Weaver's going to be on the sort of a little bit of a tighter leash heading into the next year with some pressure to win. It would be a very not win next year move to trade Bogdanovich for a first round pick that I don't know if they have received an unprotected pick from somebody. Uh, but I think it would be a very not win now move if they were to just deal him. Um, and, you know, it does go against the rhetoric of not moving and aging, but still good veteran for whatever assets a bad team can get. I think it, you know, it bucks that trend, but it has to start somewhere. And if these rumors are true, that this is what the Pistons are going to be doing next year, this is going to be the expectation next season, then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to move him. So I, I feel like these reports also with two big names corroborating 
that I feel like that has more more legs to it than than usual. Yeah, and I'll say this too: when it comes to the Pistons organization, they're pretty straightforward about like what their intentions are. With Jeremy Grant last year, and and even really the year before, there was never any talk of like oh, the Pistons are saying they're going to keep him. No, they always were like, yeah, he's available. Like, we're, we'll think about extending him if we don't have the right, you know, a, a deal on the table. But like, nah, he's available. They're not doing that with, with Bogdanovich. And I don't really know why they would change up their strategy now. That, to me, doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I, I think even more so, if you look at the history of this organization, um, all signs are pointing to him staying. So what about Sadiq Bay? There was a report that said the New York Knicks were interested in Sadiq Bay, underperformed, moved to the bench, inconsistent, you know, the usual the usual characteristics that we've seen from Sadiq throughout his career in Detroit. This is a little more interesting to me. I still don't think he's going to be moved, but the Knicks are an interesting team and, you know, as Tim Forkin had mentioned in our Palace of Pistons chat, that if you can get back your first round pick from uh, the New York Knicks, then, you know, maybe that's worth considering. That's another potential consolidation opportunity uh, with having multiple first round picks. You could cash those in for players if you're looking to do that next year to try to have a more win now roster. But Aaron, what do you think about Sadiq Bey and the reported interest that the Knicks would be open to acquiring him if, if that price is right. Well, I think, and this goes back to our discussion that we had a few weeks ago, when you look at the future for the Detroit Pistons, the future cap decisions that they're going to have to make, they're going to have to make payment decisions on Bay, on Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart sooner rather than later. And for me, Sadiq Bay is a guy that, especially with him playing a little bit better uh, over the last couple of weeks, that value maybe trickles up a little bit more. And that's a guy that I wouldn't mind the Pistons moving if they can get, if they can get a first round pick for Sadiq Bay, I, I would live with that. I don't think the Knicks give that up, but it wouldn't be the worst move because I still don't believe Sadiq Bay long-term is anything more than a score off the bench. I, I, I He's played better. He's looked okay, you know, back in the starting lineup a little bit because of injuries. But long-term, there's just too many things that get in the way of him being good enough to be more than a bench scorer. He doesn't defend well. Not the the hopeful, you know, hereditary type distributor that we were maybe hoping he could be last season when he started in the second half of the year to become more of that. That's gone away from his game. And the shooting is just it's it's just not there from beyond the arc. He's gotten better getting to the rim, drawing fouls. But overall, I don't think he has enough upside. Whereas a guy that I, you know, I don't want to move like Bogdanovich is. We know what he is. We know what he's good at. And we know what he's under contract for. Sadiq Bey isn't on any of that stuff. And if you can get a first-round pick that, if you do end up trying to consolidate assets and move 
uh, them for a star. You you get that extra first round pick to work with. Like that helps. Heck, even if you can get someone like a Quentin Grimes, who I, you know, I don't think New York would move for Sadiq Bay, but I, I've seen it tossed around. I don't think it happens again, but a good shooter, not a bad defender, has shown a little showed a little bit of, of some ball handling stuff, really excelled in the summer league and has has earned a spot in New York's rotation, which is very tough to do under Tom Thibodeau. Um, you know, I don't know if maybe Detroit tries to get Cam Reddish in this type of a situation. That was a player that they were linked to a lot last year. The one of the trades that I had seen from someone on Nick's Twitter was like Ryan Archie Diakino and Fima Hailuk. Now, if that's the price, if that's the value on Seek Bay, I would just say, you know what, keep them. It's that's not a trade where you know you're you're losing a roster spot and everything. Uh, for two guys that aren't as good as Sadiq Bay, like that's not something I'm interested in. But yeah, I mean, if you can get a first round pick, if you can get one of these guys uh, like a Quentin Grimes, like I would say absolutely do it. I don't think New York is is giving that up. Um, but Bay is not a guy that I'm as tied to as someone like Bogdanovich. Uh, I mean, the Knicks for me, that's not a super appealing trade target. I, I think the idea that you're going to get a first round pick from them, the the only way I could see that happening is if it's, kind of a similar deal to the one that actually brought Bay to Detroit um, where you're making like the Luke Kennard trade where you're moving, you know, multiple second round picks along with him for a late first. That's, that's kind of like the only thing I could see happening there. And even then, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, is Sadiq Bay worth as much as Luke Kennard was at that point? Is he? Uh, I don't I, really I don't... know. I don't know either. So, um, I mean, if you're getting back a player like Quentin Grimes, yes, I'm interested because he helps you out big time with with your you know defense in terms of guard defense. I'd love him coming off the bench for Detroit. I think he's a really good defender. I, I like what he brings to that team. I mean, look, if, if you're a second-year player playing 36 minutes a night for Tom Thibodeau, you're doing something right on the court. You're, <laughs> you're a pretty smart player. So – um or your Tosh Gibson but um right no I think that sorry I said second year player not 20th year player uh but I think when it comes to the Knicks I mean I'm not interested in Cam Reddish I'm so past the hype with him he's nothing to me he's like a Kevin Knox level player and what Obi Toppin whatever I, I this just does not really interest me the Knicks don't really have anything that I'm interested in um, unless, of course, it is a first rounder, in which case that would be nice. But you're also probably going to have to give up something else on top of Sadiq Bay in order to pull something like that off. So I, I don't necessarily see it happening. I, I just think he's one of those players where it's like he's too valuable to you to trade him for what he'd be valued for other teams, if that makes sense. Uh, much like Luke Kennard, to be completely honest. So unless you're you know, really committed to moving on from him and, and bringing in somebody new, I have a hard time seeing Sadiq Bey get moved. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I I don't think they'll get equal value back for him, and that's just how it's going to be with a young, young wing that has had a floating sort of role the last couple of years. He either shoots the ball super well, looks super involved, or – he's ice cold and he's ice cold for two weeks and you just don't know what you can do with him. You have to staple him to the bench. So I'm not interested in Cam Reddish either. I 
apparently the Cavs and the Mavs are interested in Cam Reddish. I don't like that at all. As a Cavs fan, I, I, I don't understand the infatuation with him. He's it's not even worth talking about. I'm not, I'm not interested in that. I would be more interested in Obi Toppin, but you're not going to get a first round pick with that. You're going to get Toppin and, you know, slight, maybe second round, second round pick or, you know, something else pretty light. And I'm not super interested in Obi Toppin either. He's just not the kind of player for me. Um, it, it The fit's just super weird. And, you know, if he was good, he would be playing more for the Knicks. It's, it's, he's, he's had a weird role there almost. Oh, Mike, you don't, you don't think, you don't think the Pistons need another limited power forward on their team. Oh, wow. Shocking. Call me crazy, but I don't think that they do. Call me crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to keep Bay and they're not going to get the value that they're hoping to get from him. So they just have to keep him and, you know, see what, see what happens. And we'll get into contract talks at a, in a different future podcast, but for right now, see what, See what comes the rest of the season. But now what about the, the vets on this roster? Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks. There's been some reluctance to move Alec Burks. He's a good vet, can score the basketball. There's no question about that. The bench at the beginning of the season was horrible and then immediately flipped the script when Alec Burks came back and was healthy. I think he's a valuable vet in a similar but not the same way that Bogdanovich is for next year, if you want to be a decent team um, and have some depth, I think you have to keep Alec Burks. Um, Jasper, what do you think? Noel, he's been linked to the Mavs. He's been linked to a couple of teams as a rim protector, as a veteran sort of rim protector. Um, I know there was a report a couple of weeks ago about, you know, him wanting to move on, on the Pistons would, you know, help try to help facilitate a move if, if, if one came around. What do you think about Noel and Alec Burks? Yeah, I mean, with Noel, I, I love the idea of trading into the Mavs. If you could somehow get Reggie Bullock back, I doubt it, but that'd be amazing. Uh, I mean, they're still throwing JaVale McGee out there right now, and and he'd definitely be an improvement for for them at that position. Um, I, I do think there's other teams, too, that you could potentially make something work, but if they don't, uh, I really think he's a buyout candidate uh, after the deadline. If they can't figure something out, Maybe it's even just like a second round pick. He's not playing for them. So it's hard to convince a team to give up a, a legitimate asset for, for a player like that. I definitely think you could get something for him though. Uh, with Alec Burks, I've been consistent on him too. Same with Boyan. I, I'm not really convinced that the right move is to move on from him. I don't think you're getting a first round pick back. I don't really know what kind of quality of young player you'd be getting back for him either. So I, I think when I look at it, not even like for this year and for next year, I, I think Burks is a player that absolutely can have a role on this team. Look, people have been maligning the fact that Killian's gone to the bench, but uh, since the since Burks has entered the starting lineup, Pistons starting lineup has a net rating of 7.2. So they've been better with him in the starting lineup. He provides a little bit of playmaking. He provides a lot of consistent scoring, which is something that they don't have with Ivy or Killian Hayes. Um, and even next year, you know, who's to say where Ivy or Hayes will be at, at that point? And who knows who you're bringing into the draft? So there's absolutely a chance that a Alec Burks is still going to have a sizable role on this roster next season. And if he doesn't, well, you can trade him then. Um, I think they're going to pick up his option. 
They've said they want to pick up his option. And for $10 million, I think it's a very reasonable price for a player of his quality. So I don't think he's getting moved. I, I think Nerland's Noel is. Um, Aaron, I'm, I'm kind of interested to to hear what you think on this one, because I think the Burks one, even more so than Boyan, is very much like really up in the air, because if they do end up drafting Scoot Henderson next season, well then, if you have Ivy and Cunningham and Hayes also on the roster, there's really nowhere for Alec Burks to play at that point. So, you know, I'm interested to hear what you think there. Is it better that they hold on to him now and see what happens in the offseason? Or should they just say, hey, you know, his trade value is probably the highest it's going to be while he's with the Pistons. This is the time to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, I mean, if that happens, you know, in the offseason, the Pistons end up with Scoot Henderson. It probably does mean you have to trade him. But I don't think you're getting a first round pick for Alec Burks now. And if you want later, it doesn't really matter you know I don't think the value for him now is that much higher than it will be in the offseason I don't think a team is giving up a first round pick for Alec Burks but to your point you know I know people were complaining left and right about oh wow look at what the Pistons have done to the roles of Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart but what does it say that the starting lineup has looked better with Alec Burks in it with Sadiq Bey in it instead of those guys I mean Alec Burks has performed well all season long and whether, you know, it's not like it's some lock that Scoot Henderson is going to be a piston next season. So if he's not Alec Burks is your best guard off the bench once again, and he's very valuable for the contract he's on, you know, he brings enough to this team to where $8 million, $9 million that he's owed really isn't all that much money because what he brings for you on a nightly basis, a steady hand at the backup guard spot is, is really, really important. And we've seen what a steady hand in the starting lineup has done for that group. So, uh, you know, I don't think he gets moved because I don't think a team's coughing up a first-round pick. He's kind of in that same category of Bogdanovich, albeit to a lesser extent of. If you want to be trying to win games next year, Alec Burks is probably one of the few guys on this roster right now, especially that's coming off the bench, that's going to help with that. Um, so you would want to keep him. Noel, I, I don't know what his value is. You know, he might be a, a throwaway, you know, for a top 55 protected second round pick type of deal at this point. It doesn't really matter. Detroit has no inclination uh, to want to keep him. Noel seemingly doesn't want to be here either. It was said that the two sides agreed working to find him another home is the ideal resolution. So imagine he gets moved. Imagine it's not worth really anything for Detroit with that being considered. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily think Detroit should be searching out a deal for Alec Burks. If a team really wants to overpay for him, which is what the reports have been, you know, it's been, the Pistons aren't looking to move Alec Burks. It would take significant draft capital from a team overpaying to get him for Detroit to move Burks. And I think that's the exact mindset that the Pistons front office should be operating under because it's very, it's very telling that Alec Burks has been, you know, as good as he has this year, no matter what role he's played, um, you know, when maybe the hope was that he wouldn't have to be potentially the best healthy guard on the roster this year. 
something that's insane because I wanted to go look at the on-off stats for Alec Burks. Alec Burks on the floor this year, the Pistons have an efficiency differential of plus 11.3, which is the 96th percentile when Alec Burks is on the floor. He has an expected win value of plus 24 in just 867 minutes for the Pistons. The offense is obviously significantly better. Points per possession is in the 95th percentile. This is all according to cleaning the glass. Pistons are dramatically better with Alec Burks on the floor. I hope they don't move on from him. Um, Because again, if you're looking at next year, you're going to need vets on a very young roster. And if you are looking to make the playoffs or bust, then you're going to really need vets who can come in, stop the bleeding when you need it. And, uh, you know, just be, Honestly, just veterans who are consistent and can can bring and can who can bring that, you know, every night. Um, so Alec Burks, super valuable. I think if they don't find something for Noel, they may just buy him out. Like Jasper said, I think, you know, he's a vet. He's he's been around a while. If if he asks for his release to go join a contender to wrap up the season, I, I he's probably earned that that right so they you know they could just buy him out ultimately no i mean look you're 100 look i said it on twitter the other day when people were you know oh why is killian going to the bench look man there's three healthy guards on this roster right now ivy hayes and burks and of those three alec burks is not number three in terms of who the best player is right now right like i i know you don't want to hear it but like it's true he's good He's probably the best one of them right now. Well, that was going to lead to my next question is, you know, what, this will be our last topic and then we'll wrap up, you know, on the subject of guards, what, what, just real quick, what grade would you guys give Jaden Ivey so far? C, B minus. I mean, I was thinking thinking B minus. He's, he's certainly not exceeded expectations you know he's kind of inconsistent he's he's been very average for me this year it's not necessarily like super disappointing it certainly becomes a lot harder for him without Kate Cunningham on the court playing with you know someone like Killian Hayes who the defense doesn't have to lock into as much isn't really game planning as much for uh if they would have had to guard Kate Cunningham, for for example, in difference, whereas Ivy can maybe excel off of teams having to zone in on Cunningham a little more. I certainly think that that's hurt him in that regard. But at the same time, like the defense is something that is a major, major issue that, again, whether people want to believe it or not, it has to be fixed or it's going to hold the Pistons back long term. If you watch Jaden Ivey for a full stint, a full game, and really focus on what he's doing on that side of the court, you might actually realize why I've been talking about that more and more lately. He does not compete on that side of the floor nearly enough. And it's a problem for this whole team, for the entire Detroit Pistons group. But it really stands out when Ivey, who's one of the fastest, probably the fastest guys on the court every night, one of the most athletic, uh, is just getting 
beat off the ball, beat to the rim, gets his hips turned every single time. He, he he's the primary defender. It's concerning, and that's the biggest reason. You know, his efficiency numbers have been inconsistent. The shot shot selection isn't always perfect, but his lack of competing on the defensive end, the way he's getting blown by, the way he's getting picked on, the way he's getting exposed on that side of the floor. Again, whether you want to believe it or not, because there are people that dis- disagree and, and want to put it on other people, uh, it's a real, real problem. And if you don't believe me, just focus on him for for a game and, and see what I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, there's got there, there's a reason they're the worst defense in the league. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not it's it's not all on Isaiah Stewart. Um, you know, Jeremy Grant's a really good defender, but he wasn't the only reason why they were a decent defensive team last year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear he's largely what we expected him to be great athlete super inconsistent um still figuring it out I think that he has been better shooting the ball than I expected not just from like outside you know from three-point line but I I think also in the mid-range especially over the last few weeks I think he might be taking a few too many of them but I I do like to see that it's a part of his game Uh, I think that his passing's come along better the last few weeks as well but 100 Aaron uh, the defense is so bad I-, I didn't expect him to be a good defender but I expected with his size and athleticism for him to at least create some chaos like Hamadou Diallo is a really good example of a guy who's not a very good defender in terms of his fundamentals but he's so active and he creates so much chaos in passing lanes and on the ball that he's able to make up for his deficiencies in other areas on that end of the floor. Whereas Ivy is just doing nothing. You said it, it's the compete level. The compete level is not high enough for him right now. And we've discussed Killian Hayes regressing defensively. I think a big, big part of that has to be the fact that he's playing next to Jaden Ivy instead of Cade Cunningham this year, or even Corey Joseph for God's sake. So yeah, B minus C plus, Something in that range seems about right to me. Um, you know, he hasn't been bad, and and I think that's really crucial, uh, but he hasn't been exceeding expectations by any right. stretch of the imagination. Okay. Either. I just wanted to just wanted to see your thoughts. We haven't really talk, talked about Jade Ivy. We talked a lot about Jalen Duran throughout the last couple of months and just his growth and impact on this team, but not not so much about Jaden Ivey. And the inefficiency is there. Uh, oh, no. For sure. To to be clear, if we weren't grading on a scale here, he'd be a D. Like, he has not been a good player. But we're talking about, in the context of him being a rookie on this team, it's a B-. minus. Like, overall, his play, it's bad. It's, it's bad. It's not good. Uh, like, and we have to acknowledge that. Uh, for a rookie, he's been good, though. Okay. All right. I just wanted your guys' thoughts on that before we wrapped up. Since we're talking about guards and Alec Burks and the ranking of our current healthy guards and how it's a little bit on the dire side of things. And, yeah, there was a little bit of flack for Killian heading to the bench. But that's maybe for another podcast. So we'll just yeah, well, skirt right over that. Well, let's see what, <laughs> what lineup Dane Casey decides to throw out next week. So, you know, maybe, yeah, that might let's change. see how... 
let, let's see what the landscape of the NBA looks like at this time next week after the deadline has passed and everybody's been moved and um, see if the Pistons were able to get in on any of those deals as that nasty third team that could scoop in and pull up an asset or two. Guys, anything before we wrap up this edition of the podcast? First time we've been able to all get together for quite a while. I mean, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a nice return to norm. Yeah, it's been good. I, I'm glad all three of us were here. I always think it invokes the best conversation and debate. Um, I guess I'll share one more thing. Just one prediction for the trade deadline. Uh, biggest name to be dealt, I'm saying it's going to be OG Ananobi. That's probably the popular pick, but he's in so many trade talks. One thing I'll add to that is, is OG Ananobi really worth three first-round picks? That seems like a lot of first-round picks for a non-all-star level wing. I get he's a good player. He's a phenomenal defender, but that's a lot of draft capital for him. I, I know. I said the same thing, man. I'm like, that's a Drew Holiday deal, man. Is Is he... You, okay, I mean, if you think he's gonna have the kind of impact that Drew Holiday had on that Bucks team, I guess. But for me, he's not that kind of player. I'm with you on that, Aaron. So I, I think you're probably right. Um, I'll, just to just for fun, I'll throw out another guy to get traded. Um, I'm gonna say I'm literally making it up off the top of my head. I'm going to say that Michael Porter Jr is going to be traded for oh. absolutely no good reason at all. <laughs> Just the first oh. thing that came to my head. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'd it really it. was. Really was. But you know what? Live dangerously, my friends. Don't put I that one on. It. Don't 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 bet on that one on that online though. I, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be oh that that would be awesome. Tim would be God. going absolutely insane. They got to open up more minutes for Bruce Brown. It, it, Bruce Brown's got to be in the starting lineup. Maga Porter Jr., he's out of there. <laughs> hey, apparently Christian Wood's back on the market. Uh, I know a team that oh, that's do true. Too. Oh, yeah. Christian Wood that's, for Nerlens Noel straight up. Who says no? <laughs> Dallas was interested in yeah. Noel, so. That's true. Mm-hmm. There we go. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. All right. Okay. <laughs> I, I like the little silly ending. Boy, if MPJ gets traded, mm. chef's kiss. I, I I love it. I am here for the chaos. And we hope that you'll be joining us next week as we discuss all of the hopeful chaos. Be the trade deadline will have passed this time next week at the time of this recording, at least. And we'll be back to break it all down, see if there's any impact on the Pistons, see who got moved or who doing, or, or who didn't get moved. And boy, if no one on the Pistons gets moved, it might be like a 14-minute podcast or something really short like that. So uh, hopefully they dish out something. And uh, hopefully that you'll be joining us to uh, listen to us break it all down. Give our thoughts on it. Um, can't believe we're already at the deadline and then the All-Star game. It feels like the season's moving awfully, awfully quickly. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. Again, Shout out to our sponsor this week. That's Bet Online. And if you head on over to Bet Online and use phone or go right on to the website, join, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with Bet Online using the promo code Believe. That's B L E A V. So thank you again to Bet Online. For my co hosts, Jasper Apollonia and Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Angolano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. We will see you all next time.
you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.